providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Rob, thanks for joining us. I know everybody in the FNF family of companies knows you and familiar with your work, but for our agency partners out there and friends who are listening for the first time, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me uh, on the show. I'm, I'm a big fan of this. I got my start uh, in 1990. It was really on the, the direct operations side in, in Chicago. I went to law school and left the New York area as my uh, future wife got transferred into Chicago. So I started on that side and worked in that area for about 10 years, uh, running the direct operations, both residential and commercial in the Chicago area. And then I relocated back to Michigan and eventually found myself uh, in the agency world for for our business. And now I run the Midwest and Mid-South region for our agency operations. Boy, 1990, you and I are the same vintage. We're going way back in this industry. There you go, right? I mean, you know, and, and of course, you know, whoever picked that you're going to be going in the title insurance industry, I thought for sure I was mergers and acquisition all the way, right? Finance yep. degree, go to law school, going to do M&A. And I graduated, as you know, in 90, if you came out then, it was a, a recession. So I quickly just went for any job that would pay rent and found myself in the title insurance industry. And, and you know, here I am, you know, 30 years later. Well, it's a great business. And here we are. Popping the cork, I guess, on 2021. So many people have been looking forward to uh, putting 2020 in the rearview mirror. And, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, things will tend to carry over a little bit into this year. And so I want to start off by talking about, you know, what we went through with COVID-19. Um, looking at this from a macro perspective, we've got so many things uh, that are certainly concerns in the year ahead, don't we? Yeah, we do. You know, and I mean, we, we entered 2020 in a pretty good shape, right? I mean, we had record low unemployment rate, 3.5%. We had good real estate numbers. We were coming in that, you know, five and a half million existing homes sold. Um, the purchase market was was doing really well. And then, you know, just the train went off the rails with, with COVID. And by April, we had 14.7% unemployment. I mean, that's an 80-year high. We lost 20 and a half million jobs. Uh, in one month. And uh, I mean, it was it was a huge shock to the system. I mean, economists call it that black swan event, that it's rare, but uh, you know, you, you, you know, they come around and, and uh, that one certainly took us all completely by, uh, by surprise. And then, you know, you, you see the decline in the GDP for the second quarter down 31%. Never seen that before. I mean, you, you pull different economic charts that I, I do a presentation on this uh, quite often throughout the year. And it just, it's completely skewing our charts. You have to do the little squiggly line in your lines to uh, get them to come out right because the the numbers and the decline and in increase are, are so big. Second quarter down 31% in GDP. And then third quarter comes roaring back with plus 33%. So, and then our fourth quarter, you know, I'm uh, projecting it to come in at 5.5% and uh, we'll see where it actually comes in. But, you know, it's just this incredible swing in uh, in our economy and in spite of the upheaval not only you know all around the world but in the industry as well the transformation the cliches of the pivots and the new normals and all that uh, 
a robust year, right? I mean, a very solid year in real estate in spite of everything we had to deal with. So looking forward now in 2021, what concerns should we be uh, watching out for here as we move ahead? Well, you know, I mean, and a lot of that that 2020 uh, drive was really done by what rates, you know, yeah. rates came came down. And, and a lot of that was due to the stimulus that we were seeing. Uh, we saw investors rushing to the safety of bonds as the COVID-19 pandemic hit. That's driving down the yields. Then you saw the government start, you know, plowing in with their their stimulus programs, both on the Fed side. I mean, they were purchasing mortgage backed securities like you know, it was water at that point in time, the tune of $120 billion a month. And then you had the Fed, you know, bring out the CARES Act, the PPP program, $2.6 trillion. Well, that was all driving that stimulus, which really kind of has been propping up 2020 and also been been bringing rates down. I mean, we started the March in 2020 at a 3.5% mortgage rate, and we're ending it in the 2.8% rate. And, yeah. You know. Very few people that saw rates coming down, but you know I'm kind of that in that camp that that sees rates continually going down, mainly because of the debt. Uh, you know, we just got this massive amount of debt. You know, we talked about the programs. Well, you know, we started the year at a hundred percent of GDP to uh, to governmental debt, and we're going to end the year somewhere around 127 percent. So that's all. You know leading to a big debt problem and rates, I think, are going to continue to to stay lower. And so if rates are lower, obviously, you know, real estate's driven by jobs, wages, and, and rates. And um, the rates are certainly helping us. Now we'll just have to see, you know, what happens in that, that jobs market. You know, we're still have quite a few people out of work and, you know, probably going to see some more stimulus coming through to uh, to keep that going. But, you know, it's just like this weird circular debt trap that we're in. And that's the concern for me. Yeah. Inflation has been out there for (laughs) what a decade now, right? I mean, we've had uh, certain uh, forecasters saying, oh, it's coming, it's coming higher rates. And, and obviously that hasn't, that has not transpired (laughs) to this point. And now, you know, there's that concern about, well, there's so much debt, um, you know, you've got to somehow, you know, reflate this economy somehow. So that would mean you got to raise rates to do that. But you're saying that's not the case. Yeah, you know, I mean, right. You think about the whole conundrum of the quantitative easing through the last, you know, financial crisis. And you're right. Everyone's talking, well, that's going to lead to inflation. Well, look, I mean, the, the Fed could not get inflation going at all. Right. And they, they continue to keep rates extremely low. Well, I think it's because of this whole debt overhang. You know, you just look at the comparison between us and Japan, right? You had the lost decade of, of Japan in the 1990s, which really turned into the lost three decades. Yeah, Their GDP, you know, ballooned. It's now, what, 250% uh, GDP, you know, debt to GDP. And look what their rates have done. Their rates have continually declined from that time. I mean, their commercial rates and real estate rates are now below 1%. I think that's that's what we're in right now. We're just going to be continually in this slow deflationary period. And you don't see global demand picking up. Um, you know, and then I think that, at least in the, the short term, right, for 2021, 2022, that bodes well for the real estate market as long as we get the jobs market to, to continue. You know, long term, right? Nobody knows and what's going to happen. I think there's some serious concern about all the debt. We're just kicking the can down the road, and 
some point in time, we're going to have to to pay the piper on that. But in the interim, we've got low rates, we've got stimulus, and you got a lot of demographics that are going on as well, right? You've got this huge millennial cohort going through, and you've got what's happened with the pandemic. It's completely upended where people want to live and they're moving out to the suburbs they're moving to rural areas and uh and that's all going to help real estate as well that's just activity and activity will drive drive the real estate market yeah you know it's interesting uh you look back uh 30 years early 90s little blip of a recession of course we had the dot-com bubble late 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 1990s uh turn of the century then you had 9-11 of course the uh, quote-unquote mortgage meltdown, probably, uh, of course, more Wall Street meltdown than anything there with the uh, mortgage-backed securities and all that. That's another conversation. But um, yeah. now we have this pandemic, and um, I think of all of them, certainly this one, you know, if you had to rank them at the top of the list in terms of from a, a, the perspective of what, what does this look like now moving forward? You know, you have um, all these positive dynamics. We had a, a a great year by all measures in real estate, um, low rates. You look at what's happening ahead, yet there are concerns, right? Uh, commercial real estate. What will happen when the vaccine does take hold and things start to reopen and a lot of this stuff has to be dealt with? Um, you know, that whole cliche of the crystal ball, right, Rob? What do you, yeah. How do you see this, this year playing out? You know, the, the commercial side concerns me more than the residential side. I think that that's been a, you know, a bit of a fundamental shift here, right? You're seeing business, all businesses are looking at their footprint on the real estate side and they're realizing they don't need nearly as much as, as they did before. You know, is it going to go cratering? You know, probably not. Um, but it's, it's going to be, I, I think, a struggle on, on the commercial side. On the residential side, I, you know, as I said, I, I'm more optimistic there. You've got get good rates. You've got stimulus going through, um, you know, the projections from, from Fannie and uh, MBA and, and other economists show that it's going to be, you know, uh, probably a, a 2021 will be very similar to 2020 as far as on the, the existing home sales. New home sales are going to increase as those builders kind of bring that property onto uh, the market. You know, inventories are certainly an, an, an issue, which is driving that new home uh sales area and also driving the builders to to continue construction um but you know on the commercial side yeah i, I don't think anyone really knows at this point where it's going to go and that's the that's the beauty of economics right i mean it's there's just so many different variables that are all interrelating and uh you're trying to to read the tea leaves and predict what's going to happen and you know you can see why so many economists you know are, are not not accurate on their projections because there's just too much uh, you know, going in and out of uh, of the numbers. So, yeah, one of the interesting things too was the, I guess, call it the Great Migration, the uh, move to the Zoom towns, right? With uh, uh, this migration away from uh, large city cores, we see the Bay Area as an example, Seattle to a certain extent as well, um, other west coast areas i know this is happening around the country too new york yeah. the evacuation from new york city um out into long island the hudson valley and florida quite frankly and you're seeing that play out in the numbers right yeah you look at the different alta premium numbers you look at the different real estate numbers for chicago new york la and those downtown city metropolitan areas are seeing flat in in a lot of cases declines 
And then you look on the outlying areas and you're seeing increases as far as in the number of transactions go on. And that's just a fundamental shift in where people want to live. And, and uh, I don't see that that diminishing. I think that's going to continue. Yeah, that was my, my next question was, is that here to stay? Because, you know, do we, I guess, from a psychological or psychographical uh is that even a word? Uh, you know, does this, <laughs> does this shift back to uh, does this shift back to you know? Hey, um, gosh, that was great while it lasted, but we really need to be in the office in San Jose, right? I mean, do we see that coming back? I mean, look, I mean, look at the quality of life, right? I, I worked in downtown Chicago for a, a lot of my career and had that commute and re- reverse commute and. I mean, it was great. My parents used to look at me and say we were just crazy. I'd have an hour and fifteen to minimum to yeah. a two hour commute door to door one way. And yeah. you think about, okay, that plus the the lack of productivity at that time, right? So now you have people that are working out of their homes and they're what, 18 steps away from their office. And uh, you know, that all that time goes into to productivity. So I, I, and quality of life, just not having that, that type of commute. So I, I think it's here to stay. Um, we'll see, you know, what, what the millennials do. That's, that's the next big group going through and purchasing homes and, and whatnot. You know, they're even a larger demographic cohort than the baby boomers. And they're just now hitting their prime age to be purchasing homes. I don't know, you know, we'll see where, where they go. But I mean, after the pandemic and, and they also lived through the great financial crisis, well, I, I think they're going to be more apt to be out in the suburbs. And they're also very tech savvy. Most of them have jobs that can be done remote as we've just seen. So what's going to be the drive to, to live in a, a downtown metropolitan area? Yeah. I guess you can always visit, right? We'll go, we'll go, into, <laughs> we'll go into the city for the weekend rather than trying to get out of the city on the weekend. Right. That's the only problem though. Right. That's what I thought too. When we moved out to the suburbs in Chicago and then we never went down. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why are we living in Chicago having this commute and we never get to go, you know, take advantage of the city. It's another uh, conundrum there. Yeah, it'll be fun to see how it all plays out. Uh, let's talk about the official housing forecast for 2021 from Fannie and the NBA. And I know that you're on top of these numbers. What are they saying? So, you know, it, it, it's kind of interesting. They're fairly in line, which sometimes, uh, you know, they're not always uh, in step with each other. But, you know, they're showing that uh, expected that 2021 on the existing home sales is going to come in about the same rate. You know, that 5.5 million uh, existing homes sold, a slight increase on the the new home sales. Fannie's got them going up about 6% next year. MBA's got them going up about 14%. The interesting diversion, though, is is the uh, mortgage rates. MBA was projecting the end of the year to be at 3.3%. Fannie's got them coming in at 2.8%, about where they are now. I, I personally think Fannie's right. I just don't see what's going to spark rates to, to go up. You just don't have the global demand. You don't have the economy taking off. You've got all this stimulus. You've got, I think, a lot more deflationary pressure, which we've had for, you know, what, 10 years now. And uh, it's just not, it's, I don't see it changing. Um, on the mortgage origination side, obviously, you know, purchase, they, they show increasing. Uh, Fannie's got it going up about four, four to five percent and MBA about 12 percent. But the refinances are significantly lower. And they've got those coming off about 50 percent, both uh, both Fannie and MBA. 
but I don't know about that either. I mean, CoreLogic just came out with some data that shows there's, you know, a, a quite a bit of uh, mortgages still out there uh, that have an ability to, to be able to be refinanced. So, you know, that, that can still drive some refinances next year. And I think, too, the rates are definitely going to be, at least in my opinion, uh, on the low side, if not trending lower. Well, that's good to hear. And uh, I got to ask you, is there anything out there in the blind spot that concerns you? You know, it sounds like, okay, uh, vaccinations are already underway in Q1 here across the country. Um, That will play out. It sounds like from a a get-together standpoint that some of the conventions and the industry will fire up around Labor Day. So we kind of get through the first half of the year and I guess, return to somewhat of a new normal, whatever that is. What's in the back of your mind? What are you worried about? What 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 could disrupt uh, the comeback? You know, uh, political stalemate. That's probably my biggest concern. You know, mm. look, look at what drove this through 2020. Yeah. It was stimulus from the government perspective. And now we're seeing that kind of play out, you know, in the last part of, of 2020 where, you know, are we going to get further stimulus? Are we not going to get further stimulus? Um, I don't think that's going to be enough, right? Because even if we get this vaccine out there, it's going to be quite some time before we get back to normal, late second quarter, third quarter. Well, there's going to be a lot of businesses that are still suffering. A lot of, uh, you know, people that are going to be continue to be unemployed that can't make their rent payments, can't make their mortgage payments. Um, all of that can't uh, continue to purchase, uh, you know, retail sales could, could suffer significantly. And if that really all starts to crater, that's going to impact uh, people's ability or, or, I guess, motivation to move and or purchase real estate. So that's going to be the key for me. But again, it's like, it's like we have to have that. But like I said, we're in this debt trap. It's like we've got to continue that. But and that'll help in the short term. But long term, when is that going to to really kind of come to roost on us? And that's my concern, you know, five years, seven years down the line. But, you know, there's, there's not much we can do about it now. Yeah. So status quo, just keep on yeah. doing what we're doing. And uh, I mean, it sounds like, you know, we should have another pretty good year. It, it's look, it's looking that way, you know, right now, as long as we uh, continue to see rates where they are. And like I said, as, as long as we continue to get some, some relief on the COVID side and, and that vaccinations run through and, and then probably the stimulus programs have to continue for some period you know, until the economy is really kind of functioning on its own without that. So that would be my only concern, I think, is the political stalemate. Is there Are there going to be games being played this year with that? Yeah, it just feels too, I don't know about you, but like already, you know, it's that psychological thing about turning the calendar, even though, you know, nothing officially changes, right? Um, it, it feels like kind of a deep breath, kind of you know, less friction, like, okay, we got this, right? We're, you know, whatever, hey, we're, it's going to be okay, right? I don't know. I think this year everyone's going to turn the calendar, turn the calendar. How about now? Can we do it now? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, but you know, on the business side, right, it's, uh, it's another reset. Uh, So here we go again and trying to plan, um, which is, you know, kind of why we do this, you know, for, for our agents, try to give them some perspective on where we think, the economy's going and where the, the housing market's going, because this all goes into, you know, our business is going to expand. Are they going to, 
you know, take out loans to uh, continue their business and hire and things of that nature. It's all business planning. And, and you have to have some perspective on where you think the market's going to go and your business is going to go. So to the degree that we can try to give some guidance on that, that's that's kind of what this is all about. But, you know, it's it's complicated. There's a lot of things, as I said, that are all interrelated and moving in between. And it's it's tough to get it right. Hey, while I have you uh, speaking of business planning, what advice do you have for our agents out there? Oh, not like a broad question, but, uh, you know, planning. I'm telling you, I, I've seen a lot of businesses that just don't really set up budgets, set up metrics as to what they can be reviewing from a P&L side to productivity side. I'm a big believer in what we call the balance scorecard and in, in monitoring and measuring every aspect of your business that's important to whether you're going to succeed or not. And uh, that's that's what we try to, to teach our agents as well and give them some guidance in, in that area. Great insight, as always. And uh, we appreciate you joining us and have to have you back here for some updates throughout the year. Well, thanks, Brian. Although, I, you know, hopefully this won't be rerun again. And then you'll be looking back at my numbers and say, oh, my gosh, with these off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for joining us, Rob. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks again. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.